Okay, welcome, friends, to the first ShuttlePod of 2020. I am here, Jared Whitley, your co-host. I'm joined by my friend Brian. Hi, everybody. And my friend Kayla. Hey, guys. We are delighted to be recording. Today is Thursday, January 16th, and this is our last episode before the Picard series drops. So yeah, next week we're all on pins and needles, hoping that it'd be as amazing as we hope it to be. We expect it to be. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're listening mm -hmm. to this afterwards, uh, a couple weeks or a couple months or a couple years from now, then you already know, and you can post in the comment section how right or wrong we are about our expectations. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what we wanted to do is we wanted to give a little bit of. Um, background of the series uh, th that we know so far and, and sort of take this opportunity to look back on some really good Picard episodes and moments that inform the character, even if they won't necessarily directly inform the series, if that makes sense, right? Because mm -hmm. there'll, there'll obviously be some plot points that they'll borrow from. I mean, like, you can look at the the Kelvinverse, first Kelvinverse movie, 2009, it borrows very heavily from Wrath of Khan and from Journey to Babel, and from yesteryear, right? Those are like the three episodes that inform it. So we're not 100% sure what informs, um, what will inform Star Trek Picard, but we're hoping that it nonetheless will be a good little appetizer for all of you, the good children of the internet, before this starts next week. And who doesn't just want to talk about Picard and his speeches? Seriously. How could you top that? The man can give a good speech. Yes, he can. A glowing one. The, the relevant background we know for Picard is that it's set at the end of the 24th century, 20 years after Nemesis, which is the last time we saw him and Riker and Troy and Data. But the storyline is affected by the destruction of Romulus that we saw in 2009 with the Red Matter. Romulus was destroyed by the the, uh, the no supernova. Oh, yeah, that's, the right, that's right. The that's failure right. to use the Red Matter. The that's right. Right. The failure to use that's the Red right. Matter. My, I'm getting my pseudoscience mixed up, but it's a, <laughs> it's a, thank you, but it's a, a good piece of continuity for the franchise in general that they're continuing from, mm -hmm. from the the bad robot movie. Okay, so the four episodes that we have, that we're gonna discuss today, is the Measure of a Man, very famous one with with Data, the Offspring, which is also a Data one, the Drumhead. Which is the, I think, the absolute best social commentary episode that Star Trek has ever done. And then finally, Devil's Due, which is not one of the best episodes or well regarded episodes of the franchise, but I love it and I've wanted to talk about it for years. So I, I have shoehorned <laughs> it into this episode. So let's start. Uh, and then we'll, we'll, what we do is we'll have the, uh, uh, the little intro to each of the, or the, the, the summary of each episode that we've copied and pasted from Memory Alpha. And, Brian, is it okay if I ask you to read the intros for those? With your great, <laughs> uh, with your great fake radio voice. <laughs> My fake radio voice? Okay. Shall I? As you wish. Okay. <clears throat> Picard must prove Data is legally a sentient being with rights and freedoms under Federation law when transfer orders demand Data's reassignment for study and disassembly. Okay. So we have here a, a very, well done, well done. Thank you. Thank you you, you, thank you you could have done trailers during the eighties. <laughs> okay. So broad question, Kayla. We'll start with you. Why do we like this episode? 
So Measure of Man. Oh, so many reasons we like this episode. Um, where to start? I think, well, yeah. every episode that we have listed here, obviously we've chosen them because they highlight great Picard moments. Um, and I think the the qualities that are going to um, make themselves apparent as we move through each one of these, um, there's some like very common, very distinct threads that are going to fall out of this. So, you know, Picard's moral stance his open-mindedness, um, his ability to change his mind when challenged with new facts, um, you know, obviously all um, with an overarching theme of just like Picard being incredible, an incredible wordsmith and a passionate speech giver. That helps sure. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, like I said, that's I think the beating heart of each one of these for me. Um, uh-huh. And... I mean, who doesn't love an impassioned courtroom speech? Sure. It's it's actually, I've heard Aaron Sorkin say it's kind of a cheat, right? Because you want, because they lend themselves to writing speeches for your characters. Uh-huh. And, you know, in actual courtrooms, they probably, I've never been on, I, I think I went to court once for a minor traffic violation. There were no <laughs> impassioned speeches. <laughs> it's, 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 but- it's kind of. In a real courtroom, in a in a real um, court situation where you have a jury, there would be yeah. actually because you have um, opening statements somewhat, but closing statements like a big part of a lawyer's job is to be passionate and theatrical sure, because sure, you're trying sure. to convince a jury of your peers, you know, to find someone guilty or innocent. Yep. And so yeah, there yeah. that's very much a reality. Well, and it certainly works here. It's it's this. Um, it might be the best Picard speech ever. I also I love yeah. the phrase "savagely curtailing them." <laughs> yeah 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 no this is a quintessential star trek speech in many ways yeah not defining someone by their by babies maybe not maybe not defining somebody by only what you know mm-hmm, thinking mm-hmm. of the possibility that there is more out there than what we know and understand and reaching out and embracing that i think that's that's a quintessential star trek thing and it's it is the absolute core of this episode. And I think it, it ties in very nicely as well to sci-fi themes, um, such as, you know, how do we define life? Um, will we recognize life if we do find it, if it looks different enough from our own? I mean, mm-hmm. this is something that modern yeah. scientists struggle with um, because we have one data point and it's mm. Earth. So it's this whole mm. allegory for treating other people on Earth you know, with the same respect we would treat someone who looks like us. So yeah. there's ob- that obvious allegory, but at the same time, like extending that to the extreme um, and then also applying that to, you know, just this is how exploration of the universe has to be done. And if we, you know, we sort of history will judge us, so to speak, on based on the way that we treat these beings that we encounter. Mm-hmm. If, if we don't treat them with the same respect that we would treat, Someone that looks more like us that says a lot about us as a species. Yes. Well said. Very well said, Kay. Well, and, and in this case, it's not a species. Uh, and the inevitability that we face is not, this is not a species that we encounter. This is a species that we will create, right? And I can't mm-hmm. imagine mm-hmm. any um, yeah. ph- philosophy of artificial intelligence class 40 years from now that doesn't watch this episode of TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Right. 
Yeah, that's a whole other facet. You're right. Yeah, this episode is probably going to end up being one of the most relevant ones in the entire Star Trek franchise as time goes on. Yep. Yep. Because this will happen. Yeah, there's no question. Yeah. Yeah, there's no question. Well, why don't we, um, since we're already talking so much about this particular scene, why don't we go ahead and play the clip from the courtroom, the the famous Picard speech? Okay, let's do it. Yeah. Your Honor, a courtroom is a crucible. In it, we burn away irrelevances until we are left with a pure product, the truth, for all time. Now, sooner or later, this man, or others like him, will succeed in replicating Commander Data. Now, the decision you reach here today will determine how we will regard this creation of our genius. It will reveal the kind of a people we are, what he is destined to be. It will reach far beyond this courtroom and this one android. It could significantly redefine the boundaries of personal liberty and freedom, expanding them for some, savagely curtailing them for others. Are you prepared to condemn him and all who come after him to servitude and slavery? Your Honor, Starfleet was founded to seek out new life. Well, there it sits. Waiting. Okay, so yeah, that's pretty breathtaking. Yeah, he convinced yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's very stirring. And yeah, Patrick Stewart with his classical theatrical training, I mean, he's he's built for scenes like this. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful. It's just oh so Star Trek-y. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was also, I think, one of those episodes where he started to um, take the reins of the show because as we've, we've mentioned several times like the star of the show in season one was Riker and the, to a lesser extent Wesley and Picard was kind of in the background <laughs> and then the more it went on the more it was okay no why are we not making this our best actor front and center all the time right and I I, I think this is probably one of the most influential ones in doing that. The other episode we talked about doing, but we don't have time, was Family, which I think was mm-hmm. the 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 pivot point of the whole series. Yeah. Like you, you look at the Borg episodes, and they're actually Riker episodes, but we remember them as Picard episodes because of Family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. Yeah, Family, as we've yeah. discussed in the podcast before, is one of my favorite TNG episodes. Yeah. And, with with good cause. Yeah, and it really humanizes Jean-Luc Picard, who up to that point, I think, yep. was a little too perfect and a little too rigid. And and it kind of yeah. just brought him down into a more relatable level. Yeah, especially it's the first time we show him, they show him interacting with a child where he doesn't demonstrate contempt. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he loosens up considerably after after that. Yeah. Okay. So, so how could Measure of a Man? We know data will be in it. How uh, could Measure of a Man be relevant to the Picard series? Well, we do know that there is like these things that they refer to. If you watch the last episode, the last short trek, they refer to there being an attack by the the synths. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's clearly some sort of artificial life form element to the new show, apparently. Related to the attack on, that caused a lot of people to die. Um, obviously, it's still all kind of a little bit hazy right now. We don't have all the details, which obviously we will have soon. But um, 
So it feels like there's going to be some element of artificial life forms and maybe the debate over who and what they are will be revisited. Mm-hmm. And yeah, obviously data is playing a role in the new show. We don't know how, whether data will appear as himself or if he will appear as a hologram or if he or will in a dream sequence. or in a dream sequence or all of the above. Or Com- coma yeah. fantasy. Right. Yeah. No, seriously, it could be anything. Um, <laughs> S- synth the hall and do stupor. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, but we definitely, there's clearly some sort of robotic component to this show. Maybe data gave his Katra to. <laughs> Picard <laughs> to 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 Jordy's visor. That's right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah, we do see B four in bits, you know, yeah. in the trailer. Yeah. So, so who knows how Data will actually manifest himself? But clearly, you know, there's going to be some sort of robot thing happening. Yeah. Well, and you bring up a really good point, Brian, about the synths and and sort of the. The possibility that they'll be re-asking this question of how do we define life? What kind of rights does it have? Should it have? Right. Um, and it was one thing in this in the TNG episode Measure of Man where the thing that we're fight whose whose rights the audience is fighting for is someone we love is a good person. It's he's mm. in Starfleet. We've already grown to love him. But what if they're yeah. attacking us now? Do they? Do they sure. get the same rights? So, if they if they go that route, it'll be really interesting because it'll be it'll be really challenging the audience yeah. to say, right. "Look, are we going to stick to our morals?" Because that means this is going to be harder. Right. Yeah. Um, mo- morality in an empty sack is worth a sack, right? If you say, which is an adaption of a rule of acquisition, if you say, <laughs> "Oh, we're we're going to be noble and let these people kill us," well, then um. You don't get to brag about how noble you were because you got killed. And I think the significance of having a couple Borg characters in this will say, hey, are you worried these guys might become the next Borg? Do you really want to do that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be so interesting. I think, yeah, I think it could have a, a, a lot of, this could be a good touchstone. Yeah, it might be. Yeah. It might be. And that's okay. If, the, if they're using this, if they end up using this as like a jumping off point, we might be in for quite a treat in the first season yeah. of Picard. Yeah. Yeah, I, I also just want to say I really like, and I need to look up her, her name, I love the actress who plays uh, Judge Bujold, right? Or Judge Philippa, what's her name? Philippa, Philippa yeah. yeah. Judge, yeah, I forget her last name. Me too. Philippa, Philippa Louvois, okay. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I really, yeah, I really like this actress, Amanda McBroom. I wish they'd brought her back like once a year whenever they did a lawyer episode. Mm. Yeah. She also had great chemistry with Patrick. Magnificent. Yeah, yeah. It was so good. Very good. And I also, I like the the continuity where they where they bring up the uh, uh, the Stargazer. Because, you know, if the captain, if the ship goes down, the captain is going to be held accountable for it. So mm-hmm. I, I like that. The show, the dynamics that they'd had as their, in their professional association. Yep. Um, yeah, I wish they'd brought her back a little bit more. Who knows? Maybe we'll see her in the new show. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I, I will say I didn't. I didn't particularly like the the Bruce Maddox character because I know he's supposed to be slimy, um, yeah. but he's a little too slimy. Uh, because <laughs> there's the thing about the moral dilemma is this was never a moral dilemma, right? Yeah. Uh, he never says right. like 
wait, look at, he never, he should have, there should have been a bit in the trial where he said, look at all these times in the last two years where you own, your ship survived only because Data was there. Don't you want every ship in the fleet to have that advantage, right? Mm -hmm. Where there's something that makes us pause and say, wait, maybe this guy's a point. Instead, I Doesn't mean, he kind of say that though? Doesn't he say there should be one on every ship? Yeah. Then? Think how many lives could be saved with all, you know. Kind of. Yeah. He does. You know what? He, he I think not really. Maybe he doesn't spell it out and underline it the way you're doing it, but I think he does yeah. kind of infer it. A, a little bit. A little bit. I, I would agree um, if you applied what you just said to um, the sort of villain, if you will, from The Offspring. Mm. The Admiral. Um, who He's an Admiral, right? I think he's an Admiral. Yes, he is. Who's coming to try and take... Data's daughter away. I think I think he suffers a bit from that. He's a little bit too mustache twirly and, and is just a jerk and doesn't care about anyone. Yeah. Well, let's let's take that as a pivot point to talk about our next episode then. Let's yeah, no, I think a it's, a good, it's a good segue point. Okay. Okay, Kayla, do you want to read the uh, the memory alpha descriptor of offspring or do we want to ask Brian to do it again? Um, I can read it, sure. Do it. All right. <clears throat> Data successfully creates a new android which he views as a child. However, the magnitude of his accomplishment quickly attracts the scrutiny of Starfleet, who wants to separate the child from Data and the Enterprise for study. Matters are complicated further when the child begins to develop beyond Data's abilities. Yep. I've always had a fondness for this episode. Yeah, it's if you don't get a little misty-eyed at the end, yeah. then, then there's something that you <laughs> yeah. may need to have checked out. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Why, why, what do you like the most about this episode, Brian? It, it, it points out very clearly that Data is far more than a machine. <laughs> that he desires to create, he desires to extend himself, he desires to make a, a contribution beyond himself. Just like any, any of us want to perpetuate ourselves in, in his own way, sure. Data wants to do that as well. Much like Spock was far more than an unemotional Vulcan. Data is far more than a, you know, bunch of circuits and relays. Mm -hmm. He's far more human than even he understands. Sure. Because he's more than the sum of his parts. Very much so. Mm. You'll have to be more than the sum of your programming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry, De Deanna said that once. Yeah. And just to see him try to, you know, work his way through his, his fatherhood and... And then having him... Things happen at the end when, when Lal... Things don't work out with Lal and him... Being sad about it, but quite not knowing how to process it, that was also kind of. You know, oh my God! When she uh -huh. says, "She says, I love you, Father," and he says, <laughs> I, wish I, "I wish I could feel it with, with you." you. And yeah, she, it, and then she says, "I'll feel it for both of us." Yeah, yeah, I know that that scene. <laughs> I'm just, not crying. You're crying. Yeah, <laughs> but that that's a killer. That scene. It really is. Yeah, it is super. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Also, in defense of the evil admiral you mentioned, who let why don't I look up his name so that we don't just call him that? <laughs> so we don't keep when, referring when... to him as evil admiral, <laughs> jerk he, admiral, he, admiral he, jerk he, face. He <laughs> but he gets to redeem himself by trying to help Data Saver. It's true. Yeah, he realizes. Yes, he does. He comes around. Admiral Haftel. Okay. I, I think Admiral Jerkface is a better name. To true. be honest, it's true. certainly more, certainly more memorable. <laughs> Anyway, so I, I think he has the chance to come around. He's not Admiral Jerkface for the whole You're right. episode. You're right. And that's that's nice. Right. 
Well, Matt, and I love the line Maddox, where he says, Maddox comes around a little bit too. He yeah. does, he does, but he doesn't have as much time because they they end with the speech and Maddox and and Philippa turn on a dime and then the episode ends real quickly. Right. It's, but yeah, I love when right. he comes out and he says that Data's hands were moving so fast he couldn't see them. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah, he's completely moved by it. Yeah. 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 No, it's a special episode. I'm surprised when more people don't list this as like one of the great TNG episodes. Hmm. To me, it's one. Of, it's definitely one of the best episodes of the series. I think one thing I really like about it, um, as a Picard vessel, is that while it it very much obviously mirrors and echoes Measure of a Man, um, in a lot of in a lot of ways and a lot of themes. One thing I like that's a that I feel is a bit different is Picard has a little sort of mini arc throughout mm-hmm. this episode. So at first, he's kind of pissed. Yeah. Because he's taking, because Data's like, surprise, I made a child. And Picard's like, don't call it a child. It's a thing. You should have talked to me first. And Data's like, no, none of the other crew members ask you before they have a baby. Yeah. Like, he like yeah, totally yeah. doesn't get it. He's like, I follow all the protocols like any other crew member would. And Picard's like, no, like this, you don't understand the ramifications of this. And I think it's partly because he's worried that someone might come in and try to yeah. do what exactly what happened but it's interesting to see and then at some point i can't remember what exactly the 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 quote but at some point um when he's in the conference room with data and admiral jerkface he says something like you know even i can see that it that he's his that data is her father basically mm-hmm. and so that's like him so I, I think it's nice that they they have one thing i love about picard is his ability to um to take in new information and mm. and change how he feels about it and and even if he can't he's he's saying like he says to the admiral at one point even though you and i might not be able to understand it data sees her as his as his child Mm -hmm. so i think that's that's another like shining piece of picard's um character for me is the fact that he can acknowledge that he can't understand something but that doesn't make it less valuable sure yeah i also i've always not always but at least i remember the last time I watched it, I feel like Picard was projecting his own childlessness onto Data, right? Like, this is something <laughs> he he knew he wasn't cut, cut out to be a father, even though friends of his, like Jack Crusher were, whomever. And so he's projecting some of his own anxiety onto this colleague of <laughs> his who he thought shared that quality with him. Mm-hmm. That may be too much, but I always thought it was kind of a little personal of of his of himself that he was... That when he's talking yeah, to Data sure. about this stuff. And, and another similarity between this and Measure of a Man is that Picard is also kind of and briefly antagonistic there too when he keeps trying to convince Data to undergo the procedure for Maddox and insists that he mm-hmm. kind of has to and then Data kind of just turns it all around on him and Picard basically just freezes up and shuts up and then realizes that yeah, he's wrong. That's true. So that that's, you know, so Data's pretty good at Showing his captain uh, the error of his ways. Mm-hmm. Mm. There's also we have to mention it. Um, the Picard facepalm meme is a very popular one nowadays, and there's a great double facepalm when he's having this conversation mm-hmm. with Data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and in fact, <laughs> I'm looking at the Memory Alpha page right now, and they have specifically called that image out to highlight in the text describing the episode. <laughs> awesome. Do they call it the double facepalm? 
the it the the cut line says Picard growing increasingly impatient with Data. Oh. That, <laughs> nice. Which shows some restraint on the part of the editors of Memory Alpha. Well, I guess this this episode doesn't have um, the same kind of speech as Measure Man does, but it has there are there are a few different nice Picard moments, but we picked one that we can play, um, which is yeah. in that in the scene with. Um, Picard, where, where Picard's sort of making that moment where he's basically saying, even I can see what's going on here, and he's basically saying, I'm not going to let this happen. So he's in the conference room with Data and the Admiral. Yeah, and and actually leading up to it, the Admiral does make a convincing, a couple convincing points why Data should be reassigned like this. Like he says, there's only two of these people in the whole fleet, and one lucky shot from a Romulan warbird, and we lose both of them. Which is a legitimate argument, right? Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I know I enjoy. I'm going to enjoy calling him Admiral Jerkface for the rest of my days. But <laughs> I, I think he makes a better case for in this episode than Maddox did in Measure of a Man. Wow, that's fun. I like. I totally disagree. Oh, okay. Well, I, okay. What I would, what I wanted to like yell at the screen when he says that is like, yeah, but the android wouldn't have existed except for the fact that Data made it. So there was always just one of them, and now there's two because Data made it. So Mm -hmm. I I feel like that invalidates the whole argument. I don't know. I think the argument of saying, shouldn't we have one Data, one Android aboard every starship, think of how many lives it could save, I think that's a much stronger argument. Mm Because it's like, like, you know, saving hundreds, thousands, millions of lives. The greater good. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. The greater good. Uh Not just, plus, plus he's acting like to say that makes it seem like data is a piece of equipment that Starfleet owns. Like, well, we can't have a double, a single point failure where, you know, if we lose Uh two, we're not gonna put two warp cores in case we lose both of them. Yeah, but this is a, this is a person. Right. Uh Like, you don't, like, you're not gonna say it. We're not gonna put a bunch of really good officers on one ship because what if it gets blown up? Oh, okay. Okay. So these are all interesting points. What would Captain Picard say in response to this? Let's find out. There we go. All right. There are times, sir, when men of good conscience cannot blindly follow orders. You acknowledge their sentience, but you ignore their personal liberties and freedom. Order a man to hand this child over to the state. Not while I'm his captain. Okay. I also like when he uses the phrase order a man to hand his child over to the state. I mean, the state, that's a very Marxist term. That's a mm. good way to yep. undercut anyone's <laughs> argument is to refer to them <laughs> yeah. as the state. Yep. Right? Absolutely. The man. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, it's a, a card speech does not need to be long to be good. And this is a, definitely a good example of that. Yeah. Nice. Yep. And again, this may or may not tie into. In, in a roundabout way, tie into the new show. We shall see. We, we do we know if okay, and uh, do we know if if lol or some form of lol is returning? Not no, not, not I have no knowledge of anything like that. Okay, no, but yeah, the whole notion of the robotics and the nature of life and whatnot could be relevant. Sure. Same thing as measure a man, basically. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um. This also, we, it, we I mean, everyone probably real, uh, knows this, but just this was the first episode Jonathan Frakes directed. Yep. And he, to use a baseball metaphor, really hit it out of the park. Yes, he right? did. Yes, he did. This, this could have been very tough for a rookie director to handle. 
Yeah. But he luckily he had Brent Spiner and Patrick Stewart. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh-huh. So beginning of a long and illustrious career for Mr. Freaks. Oh yeah. It it also because he was directing he talked to the screenwriter screen playwriter and said or teleplaywriter and said make sure I don't have a big role in front of the camera. And so he's like away on assignment while Lala is being created. Right. And then by the time he comes back, she's already like a Guinan's protege in 10 forward. And she grabs him and kisses him yeah, in that memorable yeah. moment. And then Data comes over and says, Commander Riker, what are your intentions toward my daughter? And he's like, what What just happened here? Yeah, what did I miss? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great little scene. Spectacular. Nice little bit of humor to lighten up a very serious um, episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, anything else on The Offspring? No, except that if you haven't watched it in a while, I recommend it. It's a lovely, yeah, lovely I show. Watch it. I just watched yeah. it tonight. <laughs> oh, good. Good. Okay, well, let's ahead. That was, that was a season two episode. This was a season three episode. Let's fast forward a year to a season four episode mm-hmm. with The Drumhead. Uh, very famous one, very quotable one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian, can I get you to give us the background, please? Absolutely. <clears throat> An overzealous Starfleet Admiral begins a witch hunt aboard the Enterprise, determined to find a conspiracy, and eventually accuses Captain Picard of treason. Okay. So, this episode obviously has very clear parallels to the McCarthy witch hunts in the 50s. Sure. While simultaneously without being too um, te- pegged into it. Like something where I kind of roll my eyes with uh, uh, Undiscovered Country is how Nicholas Meyer named Gorkon after Gorbachev. Yeah, it was a little on the nose. <laughs> a little too cute. Yeah. And there isn't anything like that. And one of the reasons why I say this is the best social commentary episode Star Trek did is because it's written in a way to be to have universal applicability. Mm-hmm. Right? It's timeless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not like it's her. Her, her name is Admiral McCarthy, which would be kind of dumb. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so, because of that, what whatever whatever time frame you're in, whatever your political persuasion, whatever your nationality, anyone can look at this and say, "Hey, it's important to defend our society." Because it starts off with her doing the right thing. You know, there was a legitimate, I mean, just like with McCarthy, there was a legitimate spy on the Enterprise. They had to catch him because he was feeding information to the Romulans. Uh, but then she goes too far. She doesn't know when to stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the way, I just want to point out that Gene Simmons, who's a great star, old Hollywood, and she's just fantastic in this. She's amazing. It's, it's a, it was so, such a great pleasure yeah. to see her on the show. I've always been a fan. So like when she popped up on the show, because you know, in those days you didn't always know who was going to be on or whatever. It was just like, oh, my God. They actually got Gene Simmons to do an episode of Star Trek. This is fantastic. Yeah. There, there are only two actors who have played opposite Patrick Stewart in Star Trek who I consider to be the same caliber as him. Yep. Mm. One of them is her. The other is F. Murray Abraham. And yeah. Unfortunately, he got stuck with uh, Insurrection. Yeah. But this, <laughs> perfect. 10 yeah. out of 10 on the actress and the writing. She is so mm-hmm. good in this. Oh. Oh, so yeah, she's good. amazing. She does a, the full range of emotions. She seems perfectly normal when she comes on board, and she just becomes completely unhinged over the course of the episode. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the way she's all manipulative and devious, and then he knows how to turn it on her, and she loses it. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
the the thing is as as great as this as an individual episode is, you kind of look at it and say, if this had been made fifteen years later, you know, when there's more of sort of the um, there's more continuity in TV shows than there were at the time. I think they probably would have introduced her and had a couple episodes first where she was our ally, where she was friendly, where she was uh, one of the mm. one of the heroes, right? Yeah. Because cause they set her up as the hero and then she becomes the bad guy pretty quickly, which yeah. is the nature of episodic television. And maybe that's nitpicking a little bit to point that out. No, but, but it would be more powerful. I agree. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Just, just like, you know, if... Uh, uh, oh, if, to go back to Insurrection, like originally the villain of Insurrection was supposed to be Data, right? That would have had a little bit more weight yeah. behind it. Yeah. Oh, man. That's a whole other topic. But yeah, Insurrection yeah. could have yeah. really been something else. But that's for another time. Yeah. Another time. Yep. Another time. Okay. So now it, it starts off and it's not necessarily Picard-centric. It's more kind of ensemble and mm-hmm. and actually Worf is the one who is, seems – because he's the security chief. And because there's a fellow Klingon, we have more Worf stuff. But then it becomes a Picard episode. So how is this a good Picard episode? Yeah, I mean I think Worf is really like a um, just uh, an excuse <laughs> to have something for Picard to like bounce this off of because he, he's the one who gets sucked into this. So we get to see sure. – that effect on someone that we know and trust and love. Right. Sure. And, and and who and who is just doing his job. Because exactly. again, there was a spy feeding information to the enemies of of the of our uh our government, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and Worf at the end is so, you know, he's like, I believed her. I can't but I didn't see yeah. this. Yeah. You could see it, Captain, but I didn't see it. And so he is you know, he resolves that in the end, but then so it gives us as a viewer the opportunity to see both sides of this because we can clearly see why she's wrong. Especially, you know, obviously the point where they put our star character on trial and start calling him treasonous and all these ridiculous accusations. We're so, like, as an audience member, you're so on board with, like, she sucks. This is ridiculous, right? But then at the same time, Worf was on, quote unquote, her side. And so we, we get to also be compassionate for someone who got sucked into this. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really nice point of view because it's easy to condemn other people for going on witch hunts and things like that. But yeah. when we see someone who we know and trust get sucked into that, it I think it makes it a little more real and it makes it a little more gray. No, I cannot agree more. Absolutely. Yeah, there are so many good moments, like great Picard moments in these episodes. It's hard to just pick one to focus on. Um, of course, there's that one we were just talking about where, you know, Picard is talking to Worf at the end of the episode and saying, you know, people people like like Admiral Satie, they're always going to be around. We always have to be vigilant to protect against that. Um, yeah. But there's, there's one moment that we'd like to highlight, which is, um, really a Picard speech rather than a dialogue and it's a, a speech that he gives during the um, during the trial, during his own trial where he is um, in the hot seat mm-hmm. and um, at this point the Admiral has been pushing him and pushing him and, and trying to make him look worse and worse saying, you know, how many times have you violated the Prime Directive? You don't even care about the Prime Directive all the way to like you're, you're treasonous essentially and yeah. that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end you and he, and he kind of sighs and takes a moment and then he says this You know, there are some words I've known since I was a schoolboy but the first link the chain is forged, the first speech censured, the first thought forbidden, the first freedom denied, chains us all irrevocably. 
Those words were uttered by Judge Aaron Sati as wisdom and warning. The first time any man's freedom is trodden on, we're all damaged. I fear that day. How dare you! I will expose you for what you are. I brought down bigger men than you, Picard. Okay, so this this is a uh, a great Picard speech. Uh, one of the best that he ever gives. Um, it's also I like how restrained he is. He's not like slamming his fist on the table saying. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. That kind yeah. of stuff yeah. <laughs> exactly. might have been tempting to do. And, and you know, he's very impassioned when he does the uh, the Measure of a Man speech. But with this, mm-hmm. he's just, he knows that he is morally in the right. Totally. He knows right. rhetorically how to um, take this, this um, otherwise well-meaning person who has gone too far apart. Mm. And he does it calmly and rationally. Yeah. And, and wins the day. Yeah, he, he, by underplaying it as much as he does, he makes her behavior look that much worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He plays it so cool. Because like you said, yeah. he knows he's right and he doesn't need theatrics right. to convince everyone that he's right. And this is like the kind of thing that I wish I could do. You know, like when mm. you're you, when you're coming up with insults in the in the shower the day after you have an argument with someone. It's like, <laughs> yeah. this is what you wish you could have just been like, you know, with the first link, the chain is forged and just like take them down without hardly breaking a sweat. Yeah, sure. Because that—that's also a good way to uh, um, de-escalate, right? Because if you're yelling at me and then I start yelling at you, your rationale is usually just to yell louder at me, right? That's the way these things go. Mm. Mm-hmm. I also I like how there's the the visiting admiral who's overseeing this. Who yes, he just walks out, and everyone's like, "Oh shit!" Yep. Yeah, and then everyone kind of looks at. Um, Admiral Satie, like, ooh, it's over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even her staff are like, yeah, we're, we're out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the beta zoids thinking, lady, you really don't want to be reading all the minds of the people in this room right now because they are not <laughs> thinking good things about it. <laughs> and, you know, the pattern so far of all these three episodes that we've been discussing is that he, this is a man who will stand up and take these very principled stances on things he believes in. He's willing to risk his career. He's willing to do whatever he needs to do to fight for what he believes in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to protect those who are under his command. That's right. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, you're right. That's a thread in all of these as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's a good captain, this Jean-Luc Picard. He is. I think I like him. He is. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll keep him. He, he, he he's a good role model. We should we should have a day every year to celebrate him <laughs> as an example well, to the good children we, of the Enterprise. What would we call it though? That's I that's... I don't know. Uh, Jean Luc Sunday. How about that? Good one. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I also I need to throw in briefly. Um, one of the things they do to try to set up Admiral... I mean, I mentioned it would have been nice to have had her in a couple episodes first. One of the things they do to retroactively give her some credibility is they say that she was Starfleet's uh, point officer after the episode uh, Conspiracy. 
from mm. the first season mm. where there was the uh the the bluegill aliens took over a bunch of senior leadership and did some bad things and blew up a couple ships or whatever so they're trying to say okay she's got credibility she people like this are useful for for uh helping us because otherwise we're vulnerable because the galaxy is a dangerous place um so the the bad guy in that episode conspiracy we were talking about this on on our our internal slack thread a little while ago his name is remick and I use that name for, like, this game I play, this website I play online where I play games with different people. Mm. And I mentioned that casually. And Matt, our good friend who, if you're listening to this, Matt, his immediate response is, we only seek peaceful coexistence, which <laughs> is the line he says right before he tries to kill Bernard and Riker. Yeah. And I thought, I thought that was delightful. Anyway, <laughs> there's no other opportunity where I'm going to have a chance to share that little <laughs> trek anecdote. But That was great. <laughs> Sometimes awesome. when people say they seek peaceful coexistence, um, peace means after you're yeah. dead. Yeah, right? don't yeah. believe them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Well, coexist with your corpse. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. And I'd like and to point out, isn't that the episode where they're like, they like fire a phaser at the the guy who's like in the Starfleet uniform and then yep. it's that like wormy like yeah that's that's remick that's yeah remick. that's Dex, him, right yeah, okay because that yeah. it's like it, it i i feel like every once in a while i forget that that episode exists and then yes. i see that screen cap and i go what the yep. hell yeah uh, yeah yeah I, that's I don't, the appropriate response yeah i don't care for that episode at all my <laughs> so mother would weird. not let me watch that as a boy yeah because she <laughs> thought it was too violent it's pretty weird yeah it's just uh, they were they were experimenting Right, and uh, the experiment was not a success. Yeah, too yeah. weird. Yeah, Picard has gets a disgusted look on his face. I think when that that creature reveals itself, and like that, that completely <laughs> echoes my own feeling about the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and so in that context, it's kind of weird that they picked that episode for her to have been the hero of after the fact. Right. Yeah, but it makes sense because that's a pretty big deal. What actually happened? Sure. Sure. They kind of dropped that though. Like that was supposed to set up, I think, like a an idea that yeah. there's a big conspiracy in Starfleet. But I think the episode was yep. not well received, so they were like, "Yeah, it was so it. badly received." Yeah, it yeah. ends with it ends with uh, it. Uh, Brian, you've seen the the Flash Gordon 1980 movie? Oh, of course. Where like Ming the Merciless kind of gets sucked into his own ring and dies, mm -hmm. and then at the end, he's like, we hear Max von Sydow laughing, and he plucks the ring up, and it says, the end, question mark? Yeah. That's basically <laughs> how that episode of Conspiracy ended, with saying, yeah. like, ooh, these aliens are going to be back. Yeah. Yeah. They changed their minds. They went home. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Probably Good for the best. Yeah. That's all because they did the Ferengi so badly in season one, and they were desperate to find a new villain. And then they did the Borg in season two, and everything right. has been fine since then. <laughs> okay, so if we have time, let's segue into my pet project, Devil's Do. Let's do it. Yes, let's let's do it. Okay, uh, Kayla, could you set me up with the background, please? <laughs> I would love to. The USS Enterprise-D responds to a distress signal from a science station on Ventax-2, where the planet is in chaos over the return of a being who claims to be that culture's devil. Okay, so this is not a particularly well-loved episode. I was looking at the IMDb rankings, and of the 176 TNG episodes, this is ranked number 98. So most people hmm. consider it slightly below average. 
Mm-hmm. And honestly, the things, the two bits that people remember most from this episode is one is Data doing Ebenezer Scrooge in the holodeck at the beginning, mm-hmm. which is a great scene. Uh, especially in the context of how much uh, Patrick Stewart has played Ebenezer Scrooge or like he read the yep. book on tape and that kind of stuff and he did the USA movie. And, he, uh, and then the, uh, the one man, he did the one man show on Broadway. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and then two, the other thing people remember is the Klingon God monster. Yeah. Right. The Feklar. Mm. So those are the two takeaways I think that are in the franchise. Um but there's, there's, I watched this episode while I was, before I moved to Dubai, so three and a half years ago, like I had just the Netflix on in the background and I was, wa- and I was listening to it and thinking, oh, there's some actually really good stuff here that, <laughs> uh, that people miss. Cause you know, evidently people think it's slightly below average, but I actually think it's a secret masterpiece and something that I didn't realize until we've been going through is all the four episodes that we picked as Picard ones all have a trial in them. Mm-hmm. And 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 cuz that gives him like we said an opportunity to give a good speech. And so we'll we'll play the clip from that eventually. But um one of the things I really like about this is the way that the writing is social context rather than like a heavy-handed social commentary, right? Cuz the subject here is religion in society and we see on this Ventex too that religion was for a long time the thing that pointed them toward a more hopeful future but it is also the thing that where a bad person can take advantage of good people right yeah so it's not didactic the way like when the orville talks about religion it's not um uh, excoriating in any way it just says here's this phenomenon in society and there are good and bad parts to it and we're just going to tell a fun story in the middle of it and the thing we talk about not being topical something that they thank goodness they avoided is Bren, you remember this phenomenon of the uh, in the eighties of televangelists? Oh, sure. So I, I there probably was the temptation to make the Ardra the devil character kind of like a, an eighties televangelist type, mm. at which I think would have sunk it entirely. Because if we had to look at it and they did like some kind of Tammy Faye Baker clone, that would have been bad, right? Oh yeah. And instead, they just make her this this fun corny sort of universal. Uh, sexy devil type. Now, one of the, the 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 other thing about that that I really like about this is it feels the whole you know last twenty years or so I've always thought of this episode as like a TOS episode done with the TNG crew. Well, that's pretty because accurate. the feel of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I was I was reading Memory Alpha uh, to get ready for this podcast, and apparently this was a Star Trek Phase Two script. Mm-hmm. Really, okay, they that got makes discarded. Sense. Yeah, and then it got brought back. Um, for season two when there was the writer strike, and then it just sort of lingered for a little while, and they didn't actually end up making it until season four. Yeah, they they TNG had used two uh, phase two scripts. They used the child, which is a phase the child, two, yeah, and Devils yeah. Do, yeah, and Kirk yeah, in the original it, script. Kirk was the one who was the uh, the judge at the the uh, the court. You know, when when they present their the different sides, Kirk is playing the data role. Oh really? Then who was the uh, um, plaintiff? Or that I don't whatever. I don't know any I don't remember anything more than that. I do remember Kirk being in that role. They reworked the script a great deal, though. I mean, it's quite sure. a, it's quite a different episode. But something I do love in that court scene is how Picard gets a little playful and he feels kind of Kirkish. 
I feel like this yeah. is the closest. Yeah, he I always comes would. I would like have Kirk. seen one hundred percent Kirk in that role and Spock in Data's role. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and and when yeah, and when he when Jordy and Riker go over to Ardra's ship and like steal her powers, quote unquote. And he's like doing all the stunts with like he's making the earthquakes and he's making people disappear and he's kind of playing with it. That feels very Kirkish to me. And and I want to play the little clip from the speech he gives from that scene right now because because he kind of makes even makes a little joke here. But Ardra must have purified the polluted water there. No, the record shows there were a series of initiatives covering everything from atmospheric contaminants to waste disposal. Did she not even pick up one piece of trash? Ardra had left Ventax 2 before the environmental reforms began. Forgive me, but it sounds as if with a lot of courage, hard work, your ancestors changed this world all by themselves. So there where he says, did she not even pick up one piece of trash? Only uh, Patrick Stewart can make um, litter <laughs> maintenance sound like Shakespeare. <laughs> one just piece of trash? One piece of trash? Anyway, I just always love that. <laughs> and, you know, I have to say that, Jared, I I'm really glad you included this episode because it does feel a bit like the oddball here in some ways. But at the same time, I it, it isn't. Um, and I actually am surprised that it's rated so low. I quite like this episode. I've always liked episode. this episode. It's a good episode. It's solid. I, I love the the idea of them using technology. This is the sort of confluence of, you know, awesome moral themes and awesome sci-fi themes, which is what I love the most about Trek. Yeah. And so where they're using technology to unmask this this uh, treachery. Flim, fl flim flam man. Yeah. 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 Okay. So in that case, what it makes it is not just the best... TOS episode of TNG. It also makes it the best Scooby Doo episode of TNG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Totally that's what every Scooby Doo episode is: is people are afraid of some supernatural thing, and uh, the the mystery gang, mystery incorporated, use their knowledge of science to outwit them and prove them that they're they're false. So, and then something else that the screenwriter did that was really good with the to go back to the Ebenezer Scrooge thing is that's. Uh, called a framing device where we start off and, and the Scrooge stuff sets the tone for the episode. And when you look at it, the reason they use Jacob Marley as a ghost appearing to Scrooge is they're introducing the topic of the supernatural. And here we have someone who was changed by, by this exposure to the supernatural. And that's making you think, well, maybe this lady really could be the devil. But then on rewatching it <clears throat> right after they get out of the holodeck, Data and Picard start talking about acting and Picard saying, well, acting can, you can motivate people to have an emotional response. And it's like, no, that's a misdirect. The framing device isn't talking about the supernatural. The framing device is about tricking people with acting. Mm -hmm. Beautiful mm -hmm. piece of writing. And the, the, the guy who wrote this, I forget his name right now. I should have had this, uh, right on my fingertips. Sorry. He also wrote, uh, Darmok. Uh, Philip Lazebnik. Yeah, he also wrote uh, Darmok. So if those were the only two TNG episodes that they did, but I think they're both really good. Well, he, um, he wrote the story for Darmok. I think Joe Manowski actually wrote the script, I think. Oh, okay. I think. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. He just did the story. He didn't do the teleplay. Still. Right. Yeah. 
Um, the one thing, and I've wanted to say this for years and years, I always wanted to see the Ardra character come back. And again, it just like with Conspiracy, it ends with a, until our next encounter, Captain Jean-Luc Picard. And, you know, nothing ever came from it. I always wanted her to come back on an episode of Deep Space Nine, where she has gotten her hands on a Bajoran orb, and this time she really does have godlike powers. And the only way they can outwit her is by Quark teaming up with Captain Sisko. Right, because the person who is because Picard is so far out of her league mentally, it's it's kind of bonkers to think that she's in a battle of wits with him. But the person who would be her equal would be Quark. So I always wanted <laughs> yeah. to see that. So, so Jared, I love you, it. Should have, you should have pitched that, Jared, when you were a kid. Yes, yes, when I was fourteen. That's what <laughs> they wanted was was uh, <laughs> scripts from fourteen year olds. Hey, what you I never could. Know. What I could do is try to come up with like a, a novelization of that because, you know, they always need novels for this kind of thing. That's true. Anyway. So, yeah, this is this is an episode I, I really think is a good one. There's also a lot of a lot of little details that do really that uh, are nice accents to it. Like, you know, we, uh, we can be cynical about like the goop on the forehead aliens that we see so many of in TNG. Um, and with this, what they did with the goop is they kind of make them look like little horns, like on the ridges of her of her uh, forehead, right above where her eyes, where little devil horns might be. Mm-hmm. And the and the music is really good too. It's it's kind because of, it sounds all mysterious and unsettling, and it's kind of shocking that at this point in the in Berman's uh, leadership of the franchise that he was still allowing music that good, or or that um, that uh, topical maybe. Mm. What season is this? I forget. Season four. This is actually, I think, just a few episodes before the drumhead. Okay. Well, if yeah. people were looking for episodes to rewatch, I think all four of these are pretty good ones. Give mm-hmm. a lot of a yeah. uh, lot of Jean Luc Picard screen time and some great mm-hmm. great speeches. Who is Picard without a great speech? Yep. Seriously, I'm sure we'll Seriously. be hearing a few <laughs> in, in the upcoming season of Star Trek Picard. Okay, predictions. Will he have a speech in the first episode? Hmm. And speech could be, it has to be more than like a line, but it can be short. It doesn't have to be a long droning thing. I'll say yes, he will. And it'll be like right near the end of the episode. I, I think it would be more, come more toward the beginning where he needs to sort of set the tone for, because we haven't seen this universe the last thing we saw of this universe was the Romulus exploding, right? Yeah. So I think he he needs to like will would they would they be so old school as to do a uh, um a captain's log or or well, he's retired not a admirals uh, retired yeah. <laughs> admirals personal log. Dear diary. <laughs> Dear diary, I thought I would explain what has happened in the last ten years. Yeah, I have yeah. a feeling that will not happen. <laughs> Actually, I don't think they no, they wouldn't do it like that. Yeah, no. I'm just gonna I'm gonna be partly just to be contrarian. Um, Yes, I'm gonna say no. There won't be a speech in the first episode, and I think mm, I'm not gonna say I think there should be because it depends on how um, what the 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 text of the episode is. Um, But I think um, uh, I would choose for there to be one, but I'm gonna guess that they're gonna try to draw that that out a little bit longer and not put it in the first episode. Maybe. Maybe. We'll know in a week. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yeah, so starting next week, we will be doing Picard reviews for the 10 episodes of season one. Yep. So we'll be back on a weekly schedule. We're, we're excited about it. We, you know, this is, I don't think any of us ever expected to see Patrick Stewart return to Star Trek. No. So Definitely not still, like this. Still, this is great. Still, yeah, this still almost feels like it's a dream. So, mm. so it's going to be very curious to see how this entire thing plays out. Yeah, I'm a little nervous, not going to yeah. lie. Yeah, I think we're all a little bit nervous about it, but. But cautiously optimistic, I think would be. Yes. There we go. Would be my there feel we about go. it. You know? Yeah, so. and and we were talking about this the other day, talking uh, about how we needed to be optimistic. And I found that little video from the pilot of Enterprise where Doctor Flock says, "Optimism, Captain." So that's that is our message for the for the day. <laughs> All right. Awesome. I like that. That is a wonderful yeah. way to end episode number seventy-eight of the Shuttle Pond. There we go. Okay, thanks, everybody. All right, folks. We will see you next week. Yep. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Bye, everybody.